I don't know if you're gonna see this voice moment, but I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever been right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet, because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. everyone to another episode of are you happy podcast we have been on vacation but we're back and it's 2024 and we are so excited to welcome cindy Kaza, who is an amazing personality welcome cindy how are you today i'm good thanks i'm on a show called the dead files i've been on several shows on travel channel um but the dead files is the the you know most recent show that i that i've become a part of i took over for the uh, former uh, medium amy allen who had been on the show for 15 seasons and she decided she needed to take a break so she asked me if i wanted to help her out and replace her for season 15 uh, of dead files and i said yes so here i am I am curious about that background and we'll go into it more here in depth in a while. But uh, one of our most signature questions that we'd like to ask is, are you happy? So Cindy, are you happy? Am I happy? What does happiness mean? That's actually a better question. What does it mean to be happy, right? Because I think in our culture, a lot of people attach happiness to, um, I don't know, uh, material gain to fame to, I mean, in, in the industry that I'm in, right? It's like, how far can you go? Does that make you happy? And what I've honestly found is even with TV and, and success, that's not where my happiness comes from. Uh, and I've learned like to, to find happiness and really, and not to sound, you know, corny by saying this, but like in the, in the little things and the simple things, like being with my husband, being with my dog, who's like, you know, my soulmate, like enjoying, um, you know, just rest and, and create, creating art and things like that. You know, it, it's, it's interesting to, um, have achieved, uh, a lot of the goals that I set out to achieve and to, to be here and be like, Hmm, did this actually turn out the way I thought it was going to? Does it make me happy? And it's like, in some ways, absolutely. But it, it's, I'm really learning that, that happiness is not about, um, all the things that I thought it was about. It's more about um, a community and friends and love and, and the, the small things, honestly. I really like that you're thinking of it more as a holistic perspective, as opposed to just certain things and certain people. Um, have you always thought about it that way? Have you always like kind of considered it from, you know, far away versus like upfront and just focusing on particular things? No, I mean, honestly, you know, I grew up, um, I didn't come from money. I grew up in a really small town uh, in New Hampshire. Population was like 2000. So I always had these big dreams of getting out of the small town and going to LA and going to New York and doing all these things. And I've done those things. And, and honestly, it's funny because now I'm like, I just want to go back to the woods. <laughs> I just want to go back to the small town in some ways. Right. But no, I mean, I really, really um, believe from a young age that happiness would come from, you know, having a nice car, having a big house or having all these things that I saw on TV. And I now know that that's not the case. Money doesn't make people happy. It doesn't, it's an illusion, you know, and I don't have a lot of money. I mean, I just, I have enough to survive. I'm doing well, but I'm not rich, but I, I just have really learned in the course of of, um, you know, working so hard for so many years and burning the candle at both ends that, you know, um, I, I've 
miss some really important moments with family, with friends, because I was so hyper-focused on quote unquote making it and can miss a lot of moments in that space. And I've traveled to a lot of different countries and spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia. And, you know, the one thing that I've really like started to, to understand is the difference between, um, you know, collectivist cultures, and individualistic cultures. And in, in Southeast Asia, it's collectivist where the community is really important and how people find happiness in the community. Because, you know, I feel like in the West, it can get a little bit lonely. We're all really focused on how can I achieve my goals? How can I become self-actualized? How can I do this and that? And it can be isolating. And so to really um, lean into the idea that uh, you don't have to carry it all by yourself, um, that, that that being of service to other people and community it makes me happy. That makes me happy. Being in service um, and and just showing up for people um, without an expectation so much, you know, uh, and it's it's but it's taken me. I mean, I'm 43 now, you know, um, I'm not young, I'm not old. But I'm just at this 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 point in life where I'm rethinking everything. Like I'm really starting to be like, what what really makes me happy, and what does that look like, and how how does that look 20 years from now? You know, uh, so and, and uh, I'll say then one more thing. I, I just went 20 years into the future, but I'll say um, the happiest I've ever been is when I'm truly present, like truly present. Um, not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, not attaching uh, a story to everything, because the stories are what really uh, they, they get us. Like the stories that we tell ourselves, the stories that other people tell us, and what does it look like to just sit in a space of pure presence with no stories attached, and to really connect to to the earth, to nature, to to all of it? And it's it's that makes me happy, really happy. I agree. That's that's a wonderful way to look at things. And I'm curious about your journey. And by the way, 43, you're you're not old, definitely. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. Um, but it's so weird being in your 40s. I'm like, it's like that weird. I'm like, oh, wow, midlife. Like, this is interesting. Okay, so, but go right. ahead. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm like approaching the 4-0. So I have hope now. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, what an exciting time for you this period is, because I feel like it's it's all a journey. And all of these moments of happiness is more so in the journey. And yes, absolutely. Perfectly. Yeah. So while you were growing up and, and while you're, you know, searching and, and achieving these objectives of success and what you thought success was for you, but then realizing that those moments were most special and being present, like could not possibly even, you know, state that as perfectly as you did but that is so true and it's it's an exciting time for you so I'm really curious like at one point in your life path did you realize that hey you know the moments with the people your people your family that those were so important that and that they were missing like when did you realize that those moments yeah. were being passed yeah, I mean, and and it's really, uh, and this is like personal story. You know, my brother passed away last year. Uh, my brother was 48 years old. He had type two diabetes that was unmanaged. So anybody out there that has diabetes, it's serious. <laughs> Don't neglect your diabetes. It's literally killed my brother. You know, um, and you know, so my brother was sick for for years, and um, 
you know, wound up going on dialysis. And I, this was like, when he went on dialysis, I was in the middle of filming. I was um, doing a ton of live events. I was teaching. And it's like, every time I would try to get out there, something would come up. Then I could only go out and visit him for a few days. And then I would have to go back to filming or go back to work. And I, you know, I, I wasn't even really um, thinking about all of it. And I didn't know he was going to die when he did. You know, what wound up happening is he got uh, an infection from the dialysis port, which turned septic. And, and then, you know, the story goes from there. Like it didn't, he, he died rather quickly after that happened. And luckily I was able to be there for him when he died. I was in the hospital with him. But after he died, I looked back and I said, you know, what am I doing? Like, I, I could have been around a lot more, but I was so busy working, thinking I had to do all of these things. Right. Um, and I missed I, I really did miss some moments with my brother that I should have been there uh, more for. And and so there's some regret regret there. And I know a lot of people can probably relate that relate to that. Right. It's like and, and unfortunately, um our culture really creates, I call it scarcity mindset, where we're being, you know, um, uh, you know, all of these images and, and advertisements and things are being thrown at us that, that create fear mindset, where if I don't have enough of this, then I might lose this, or I might, this might happen, you know, and it keeps us in the state of fear. And, and I realized that that's what was happening, you know, and, and it, you know, it's, it's, I try not to dwell on the past, but I learned from the past. And through my brother's death, I learned like, wow, like this, this behavior of, of being a workaholic and having to think I have to achieve all of these big goals and prove myself to people. Who am I proving myself to when I, when I'm not even showing up for my family, when they really need me the most, I mean, I showed up at the end, but I missed a lot of moments and you know, um, it was a teacher for me, my brother, my brother's death. And I love my brother so much. We were very close, but, um, his death, uh, taught me so much about, about life, about how I'm living my life, about grief, um, deep grief. And I don't know, I hope I can walk forward, you know, with this new kind of, with this new information and, and make some changes. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so sorry mm -hmm. for your loss. It made me yeah. tear up because I lost a brother not that long ago. And I have some of those similar feelings where you wish that you could have been with them, spent more time with them. But then for for myself, not to make it about me. But, no, please. But, I mean, um, look, let's talk about it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I um, he, he died during COVID time because of COVID. And so my he was getting better. And my mom said, don't come, don't come. So I wanted to go. And then he ended up passing. Uh, during that period and so I missed that I missed it when I'm he so asked sorry and mm -hmm. so I yeah for for some time I was thinking about all these moments I didn't have and what got me through that was thinking about all of the moments that I did have and and mm -hmm. how we had a very very huge connection and he's still with me so I carry everyone that's gone with me all the time and, I and they are everything yeah, and they are. And, you know, and I'll say, I don't know about you, but your experience with losing your brother, but I'll tell you, losing a sibling is one of the hardest things ever. I mean, we lost our mother in 2013. That was really challenging. But losing my brother was hands down. It has been hands down the most challenging experience of my life. And and granted, like, you know, people will say to me, well, you're a medium. You can send spirits. Like, how how come it's so difficult for you? And and I, I'm not exempt from having a human experience just because I could feel energies from beyond. And, and it has been 
really, really challenging, you know, and I think with our siblings, we think, well, they're supposed to be with us throughout life. They're supposed to be with us when our parents die. Like we're supposed to walk through life with our siblings. We share, share that experience. Um, and so it's, it's really, uh, it's the deepest grief I've, I've ever experienced in my life. It's been really challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're correct. I mean, we don't really think of life without them. They're mm-hmm. always there. So right. not have them to to not be able to call your brother, right? And say, hey, mm-hmm. this happened or hey, let's talk about this. It's, yeah. it's now shifted. And so my sister, she took it the worst and she's still processing it. She lost her father and our brother in like the same period. So she's brutal. Just, oh, yeah. I, and then she has her kids to take care of. So she's got a lot on her plate. But all, all I can do as a sibling is try to remind her, hey, he's still here. You know, I, I went to a football game because he loves the Dallas Cowboys. And so mm-hmm. I went to this football game and, and I talked to him the whole time. And anytime something funny happened or, you know, just really comical, I was I had this conversation with him. And I try to convey that to her that if we still kind of engage with them and, you know, think fondly of them, then they're, they've never left. And we, mm-hmm. can, we can still have that time with them. So, yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um. If you could share a message with the world, anything at all, what would you tell them? Oh, God, where do I begin? I don't know. <laughs> you know, first, let me say, let me just start by saying this. And I really, I, I, it, it makes me laugh because I thought I knew so much about so many things. And like, the more I learn, literally, the less I know. So when you ask me that question, I'm like, what do I honestly have to offer? Like, what, what could, I mean, and and that's you know being a little bit self-deprecating, but but it really I mean that in in the in the best of ways because um, especially in the line of work that I do, you know, um, people people want to know what happens when we die, and I have an idea based on what I've learned from the spirits that I've communicated with, but I will say that. I don't think anybody truly knows what happens when we die. We have ideas, but we can't mm-hmm. possibly comprehend. Um, the, the the shift in energy, you know, because from my understanding, time is not linear. Uh, space, it, it, there's no concept of time and space are very different, right? And and if we look at that, um, you know, what does that mean uh, to cro- cross over, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I guess if I wanted to share something with with the world on the topic of death and dying and psychic mediumship, I would say. Um, you know, forgiveness, learning to forgive ourselves, learning to forgive others and having compassion is probably one of the most important things that we can look at in a lifetime. And it sounds simple on the surface, uh, but I think most of us struggle with that. And I think a lot of us struggle more with having compassion for ourselves and forgiving ourselves, right? Because what I found in, in especially doing paranormal investigation. So let me preface this by saying most of the time I'm not uh, communicating with spirits who have unfinished business. Most of the time I'm communicating with people's loved ones who have a really lovely message and uh, on dead files. If you watch the show dead files, which is on max um, streaming on max, you'll see that I'm going to these locations where I'm helping families who are having unwanted paranormal activity. And mm-hmm. these cases uh, it's, it's just, you know, a skewed population because a lot of times it's, you know, what, what's perceived to be negative activity. So I just want to tell people that's not generally how it is, but when I'm going in and working with these spirits um, in, in at these locations, most of the time it, it's, 
it's an aspect of the soul that has um, unhealed trauma, that has uh, um, fear, uh, that doesn't have compassion for, you know, um, itself. And those pieces, those pieces can fragment off and kind of stay stuck in, in, at locations. So if we can work through those emotions when we were here, there's less of a chance that that's going to happen when we go to the other side, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that the entirety of a soul is like in a purgatory or stuck in a, how, a haunted house. I really believe, I'm starting to believe that when we have a trauma, um, a piece can fragment off. And other pieces can be in in other places. Um, Because if you read about people that have had near-death experiences, people will tell you that they can be in many different places at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if the soul is able to be in many different places simultaneously, right, it doesn't make sense that the entirety of a soul would be stuck in a haunted house. Mm -hmm. So what aspect of the soul am I communicating with? And I found most of the time it's a fragmented, traumatized piece that needs love, that needs to be reintegrated, that wants to heal, that wants the story to be heard. That's fascinating. Yeah. But if we can work through some of that stuff when we're here, right, then it's like, great, you know. Um, That'll definitely help you in that transition period. That's for sure. And there's, there's something today that people are, a lot of people, and I've done, done sessions where it's called parts retrieval. I've had facilitators do these sessions with me. I know other people who have had it done where a facilitator or a guide will take you into uh, like a guided meditation. I, I can't really call it a past life regression because it's not that, but they will connect you with these fragmented pieces um, or traumatized pieces of yourself that you can look at and reintegrate. So like you might have, um, I don't know, some sort of a behavior that you're like, I don't know where this behavior comes from. I don't know why I feel this way. And they'll Mm -hmm. take you back to find when you had the original trauma, they'll show you the piece and then you reintegrate it and people have deep healing. So it's kind of in alignment with what I was talking about, about the soul and the fragments and the reintegration. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like, uh, our brains block out some trauma, you know, like sure. places that we can't really remember, but it, it's more so like a, almost like a survival tactic or your brain is trying to help you out. So you of don't course. remember those things that you just can't handle. Of but, course. Um, and that's important. Right. And, and I'll say this, it's not always necessary to go digging up these deep traumas mm-hmm. and like, some people might disagree with me, but I would say this, like it's, there, there's also a space where we can have feelings, we can have triggers. And sometimes it's more about just recognizing the trigger and like releasing the energy instead of trying to trauma hunt and figure out where it came from. So there's a lot of different ways that people can, can work with the energy or work with trauma, work with energy stuck in the body um, to release it because we do hold our emotions in our bodies and those emotions can manifest into um, issues, you know, like, like, Mm -hmm. so it's just um, from a more holistic approach of, of intuition and mediumship and psychic work, Sure. It, it, I think, um, you know, we can communicate with, with souls and spirits and we can see things, but I think now in my work, I'm, I'm very much interested in how everything connects back to our bodies and, and, and how we can use these experiences to sort through our own stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of us, 
um, people in your field excluded, but a lot of us on the outside don't really know much about what it is that you do about auras and energies. We don't know it, you know, as, as you do, because you, you work in that, you immerse yourself in that, that is, you know, your work, right? Yeah. What are some things, some preconceived notions that people have of mediumship and of like yeah. energy reading? I, I really want to share these out. I want people to hear you talk about them because I think, yeah. you know, any education would be great for them. Yeah, no, awesome. look, sure. Look like, so first and foremost, um, I truly believe that everybody has psychic ability. Uh, the word psychic turns people off sometimes because when some people hear the word psychic, they think of somebody reading your palm and telling you a lie and whatever. Okay. Um, so let's use the word intuition. More people are comfortable with, Oh, my, my intuition, you know, showed me this. Okay. That seems to be a little bit more acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, if we even break it down more people, most people, have said at one point or another in their lives, oh man, I should have trusted my gut. Okay. Most people have said that I should have trusted my gut. So your gut instinct is also your intuition is also psychic ability. We're just using different language. Uh, if we can, my goal, I think one of my goals, one of my goals is to remove this kind of, um, mystery around psychic mediumship to make it more, I want to make it more relatable to people because I really believe we all come in with the ability to sense these energies. And, mm -hmm. and when we, you know, watch Hollywood movies, it, you know, we're shown this image that the medium has to see a full body apparition and it's all, it's, it, but it's way more subtle than that. And people are having experiences all of the time and, and, and they don't understand that it's psychic or mediumistic because they think that in order order for it to be that it has to be right in their face like a full you know body apparition mm -hmm. and the ways that we as um you know mediums and psychics receive information um I, I say it's like playing a game of pictionary charades and telephone all at the same time so there's clairvoyance which is called is, is really breaks down to meaning clear seeing but it's more like if you were to think of an image of your loved ones in your minds, it's more like if you have premonitions of seeing a scene playing out like a movie in your mind and then it comes true, mm. that's clairvoyance. Um, sensitives can feel, which is clairsentient. So you might be an empath. You might feel everybody else's emotions, including your own. You might feel the presence of the spirit world without seeing, but that's still spirit communication, right? Uh, some people hear, which is called clairaudience, but generally it's not external auditory like you're hearing me speak to you now. It's like if you were to sing the words to your favorite song in your head, it sounds like you're talking to yourself, but it's actually coming from elsewhere, right? So one spirit might be standing next to you and you could feel, you're like, I feel like there's a spirit next to me. I can feel it. You don't see it, but you can feel it. You might in your mind hear something like, um, I don't know, Joe, like the, let's just say you're hearing Joe, but it's like sounding like you're talking to yourself. And then you might see some image or scene play out, right? So if you don't understand the subtleties of spirit communication, you won't even know really that it's happening. You might be like, that was weird. Something just happened, mm -hmm. but you won't understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people have visitation dreams of their loved ones after they mm -hmm. die. And I describe a visitation dream as uh, it, it's a kind of the kind of dream that you'll never forget. You'll always remember what the person was wearing, how you felt, 
it's profound. You know, it's different. It's not a normal dream. And in my experience, um, you know, the spirit world will, will communicate that way with people more often because when people are sleeping, they can't talk themselves out of this, the experience. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And then they wake up and somebody's like, I swear my mom was with me last night. I know she was there. I saw her. And that's spirit communication. That's a visitation dream. It's very common. People will smell cigarette smoke in a room, perfume in a room, something when nobody is there. Uh, so there are all these different ways that the spirit world is trying to get our attention. And if we're, we're unaware of how they communicate, we will miss, miss it. Um, as far as the aura goes, and I do do aura drawings and aura readings, um, an aura is an energy field that we have around us. Everybody has an aura. Plants have auras. Animals have auras. Humans have auras. And we um, hold a lot of information within the auric field. So when I'm drawing an aura, depending on which colors I see, the, um, uh, they'll tell me this, can tell me the story of a person's life. I can see the past, the present, the future, health conditions. We hold it all within the aura. And what's interesting also about the aura, and and I think a lot of people don't know this, is that, you know, let me ask you this. Have you ever had the experience where you're standing in line somewhere and you feel like somebody is right behind you and you're just like, oh, why is this person so close to me? And you turn around and they're actually not that close to you. Mm -hmm. Like they might be a little bit further back, but you can feel it. You can feel the energy and you're like, oh, get away from me. It's because your aura is expanded out, touching their aura. It's too far expanded out and your energies are blending. Huh. So my aura can touch your aura. We can be across the room, but still have that experience because it's a, it's a invisible energy field, right? That, that can expand out, that can come back in. And people that are really empathic, that really feel everybody else's emotions, including their own, a lot of the times they're unaware that their aura is expanded out really far, touching everything all the time. And I encourage people, if that's happening to them, I encourage them to do visualizations where they the visualize like pulling the aura in tightly around the body. So it's not expanded out so much, mm. but everything's energy, you know, every this, this stuff that I'm talking about for some people, they think, Oh, this is crazy or mediumship is ridiculous. And it's like, it's actually not, it's actually more um, common and people are having experiences so often. I think that what makes, what turns people off to it sometimes is the idea that only a uh, select few people have this, mm gift and it's it that's bs you know i think what you said is so spot on about how it is advertised and mass communicated that it has to be such and such way i would have never thought of any of that um but thank you so much for sharing that i think that a lot of people listening or watching will agree and they'll think like oh you know what i've had something similar oh this is actually quite relevant to me so thank you so much for sharing that yeah um, I did want to ask um, for you specifically uh, where, where in your life path did you realize that this is where you need to devote all of yourself to? Oh, let's see. I mean, it took a while. I mean, like, uh, let me just share a little bit of history about, you know, you know, how I came to be because the first experience I remember having um, was when I was 10. So 
when I was 10, there's a girl in my elementary school uh, who died in a car accident. I knew her. We used to walk home from school together uh, sometimes. She was a few years older than me. Um, Unfortunately, she was hit by a drunk driver. She passed away. And after she died, uh, I was sleeping at my Nana's house and I woke up in the middle of the night to see her standing directly by my bed. So that was full body apparition. Now, uh, side note to (laughs) children are very open. Children will see spirits a lot. They'll see full body apparitions. Um, a lot of kids that will say my imaginary friend, you're like, Hmm, is it your imaginary friend, or are you communicating with spirit? Like it just things to be mindful of for all those parents that have psychic kids or kids that are tapped into the spirit world. It's very, very common. Okay. So, but as we get older, uh, the tendency is for the experience to become more subtle. So it's less in your face. Why that is, I don't know. Uh, if I could speculate, it would be because we're so focused on all the things we have to do. We're focused on the past. Our minds are very much um, in, in future or past, right? We're not present as much as kids are. Kids are just present. They're open. They're like in imagination, you know? So for them, it just, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, I don't know. They, they have access to this dimension in a different way to the spirit world. Right. But, um, anyway, so it wasn't until really like, uh, my early twenties that I started to really, just you know figure it out because uh what happened in in high school was in, in even before high school super sensitive i could sense spirits i could read people i knew when things were going to happen before they did um but i didn't have the language for that you know i grew up in a religious family i have a lot of catholics in the family uh we didn't talk about i see dead people that was never a topic of conversation we didn't talk about ghosts you know um and at age 19, I met my first mentor, um, who was the first woman, her name was Bonnie, the first woman to look at me and say, you're a psychic medium. And I was like, I didn't even believe her. I was like, what are you talking about, lady? Like, what are you talking about? You know? And it took me a couple of years. We became really good friends. And she slowly but surely started to explain psychic stuff to me and metaphysics and and then I finally was like, you know what? She's, she's right. And then I went back and I was like, that experience I had at age 10 was real because for, I, I never forgot it for all those years. It was like burned into my memory. I knew something had happened, but then I thought, well, maybe I was just imagining it. And then once I had somebody validate me and say, no, this is who you are. Everything started to make sense. And then from there, I, I, you know, made the decision, okay, I need to figure this out. I started uh, studying mediumship. I started reading a lot of books about psychic ability, but, um, you know, I didn't make it a career until I think like mid to late twenties and then everything, you know, changed, but, um, but it was a process for me. It wasn't like, uh, as a young girl, I was like, this is what I'm doing with my life. In fact, it, you, I couldn't have imagined this life for myself, you know? Right. It wasn't as if it was like one of the options on like the personality test you take as a kid or like, right. was it like a job career place? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it should be. That'd be cool. Right. It would be. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that you've opened people's eyes today uh, in understanding that they do have these abilities and that they're not 
quite paying attention. Well, partially because they don't know what to pay attention to, but right. uh, you made some really excellent points. And there was something that I glazed over that I was like, oh, I need to ask her that. And I totally glazed over it. So keeps on leaving and then coming back, but eventually I'll get it. Um, okay. It left again. But no, wait, let me add something. Maybe it'll come back. Let me just add one thing. Cause I want to add to, you know, there, I'm sure there's listeners of all different walks of faith and belief systems. And, and, uh, you know, I am very much of the mindset that my job, uh, is certainly not to convert, atheists into believers or make people uh believe what i do like that that is not my mission in life uh, um but i would encourage people to really think about like okay when, when when even if let's say you're praying to the angels you 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 feel the presence of the angels uh helping you in your life or so on and so forth right mm. so the definition of a medium is an intermediary between one dimension the next one space and the next and there seems to be this really like uh, a stigma attached to people saying, well, I can feel the presence of, of the people's loved ones who have passed away. It's like, oh, that's evil. But if you're feeling the presence of angels and you're communicating with angels, you're technically doing mediumship. Mm-hmm. And it's just something to think about. Like, and one is not better than the other, but I think unfortunately, like uh, such a disservice has been done um, to this work in the media with like, again, like movies representing it incorrectly or portraying what we do in this way that it just, it's for most of us is not like that. Um, and, and it's also not normalizing it for, for people who, who are having these experiences all the time, but not quite sure, uh, they aren't quite sure what's happening. And, and I want to normalize it more. I want to make it more accessible to people. I love that. I think that you were spot on when you said earlier about adults versus children. So children, they're completely blank canvas and they can receive anything. They have no preconceived notions of things or no, um, what is it? Almost like, um, they're not jaded. They're not jaded by life. They're not jaded. They don't have, God, there's a word, but okay. I'm just at a loss for words. I Expectation. Love wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. They have, <laughs> they have no expectations, no, no biases. That's what I was looking for. No, no yeah, biases, it's true. Right? It's true. And adults have all kinds of clutter and all kinds of experiences and things that, you know, will, will, um, change their judgment and their viewpoint and being completely open. There's nothing wrong with being open to everything, uh, being mm-hmm. open to, experiences and then even you know to the fact that happiness is is subjective to everyone and there is no one specific happiness so no yeah if if we were more open the kind of things that we would experience and and achieve probably right well Um, and that's the way and that's another thing just to add quickly is mm -hmm. what i've learned um is being open and curious creates so much space to have new experiences from a place of of uh, presence, from a place without all of these stories attached, and I I believe for me that that uh, that makes me happy because the second that I think that I know everything, uh, I say please tell me to quit my job because there's so much that I don't know that none of us have all of the answers, but we can all learn from one another and we can learn from. Um, you know, each other's experiences and, and also, you know, um, our deepest struggles can be our greatest teachers and learning from other people's struggles. And, and it's just such a beautiful, um, 
I think, way to be. Uh, and and I, I've had to really um, like focus on that more because I think, especially in the work that I do, um, you know, you receive pushback a lot. And from that mm-hmm. place where people uh, are name calling and pushing back, um, you know, in, in the past, I would really like, uh, it would hurt my feelings or I'd go in or I would just like say, well, I know this is real. And I know, I know. And, and it's like creates the othering, right? You want your, it's just social psychology. Like, oh, I want to be with my people that believe me and everybody else can go out here. Right. And it's like, that's also not the way to be because, um, the more, the more open and curious that I am, even about why people might have opposing views. Like, well, why do you not believe? Well, that's, a, that's actually a better question. It's more, more than anything. It's like, well, why do you not believe? What's the reason that you don't believe? Is it religion? Is it because somebody told you it wasn't real? Is it because you're afraid? Is it because you're afraid if you do have experiences that you'll lose your mind? That's a huge fear. Mm-hmm. Is it, are you afraid that people will call you crazy? I mean, there are all these reasons that people shut down. And a lot of the time it's because of fear. It's fear of how other people will view them or whatever else. And so to me, that's the better question. Why are you such a skeptic and why don't you believe? Why? I think it could also be fear of being overwhelmed, you know, if they all of it. were to acknowledge all of these, you know, experiences or, or things that they felt that they kind of said, well, no, not today, maybe tomorrow. Maybe and then, exactly. Because when you open it up, what does that look like? Right. Mm. And it's very, um, it's very safe to, and I'm speaking for myself too. So when I, anything I say, I'm also talking about myself, <laughs> you know, um, it's very like safe to stay in the box that mm. we feel like, you know, because, uh, you know, when we have these big openings or awakenings or something shifts like that, our, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, in some ways can be a threat to our identity, our identities, how we view ourselves, the way that we walk through life. And <clears throat> when, when we have the shift of perspective that can be, feel very radical, it can, it can feel, it's like an identity crisis. Like, well, who am I if I suddenly mm-hmm. believe that this is real? And what does that look like? So it, it's deep. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, for people that are interested in learning more, what books or authors or, or what would you recommend for them to start with? Oh, man. So I will say I'll give this book. This book uh, it was a, a game changer for me because um, it really it's called Dying to Be Me. It was written by this woman, Anita Morjani. Uh, it's an it's an easy read like it's not you know challenging to read I read it in like two days um, and I'm not like uh, an avid reader so for me to say my ADD is like (laughs) makes it very impossible for me to read a damn book I made it through this book in two days Um, but you know um, what what happened was this woman Anita Morjani uh, she had a near-death experience her story is incredible so she she died. She came back and she wrote this book about what happened, you know, when she died. And she was able to be in, I think, five different places all at the same time that were nowhere near one another. So her, it's like she was on an airplane with, I think, her brother. She was with her mom who was walking up the steps of a Hindu temple. Forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but it's something like that. She was able to be outside the hospital room. She could hear what the doctors and nurses were saying. And this was all these things were happening simultaneously. And she came back and she she accurately described it. And for me, um, it was a game changer in the sense of like, I used to think, well, you know, when we die, we go somewhere, we go to the other side, heaven, whatever you want your name is for it. 
some people say purgatory, some people say transition. And we have a full body and it's like this and we're in one place. And that was like, no, actually, that's not it. Where are we? What's actually happening? Mm -hmm. And it created an opening for me to like um, explore the the, uh, concept of uh, bilocation, of of like nonlinear time, uh, like the idea that like the, the space as we know it in this realm does not exist on the other side. And what does that mean for the soul and the ability of the soul to travel? Uh, and I'll tell you, um, you know, I believe the soul can travel like that in this dimension too, if we know how to access it and work with it. But that's a whole other topic. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, it's fascinating mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and experiences with us today. I do want to talk about um, some of your other work with, with the show, how, what's what's coming up what have you done what are you proud of what do you what are your outlook aspirations for your work with the show well dead file so the season is is streaming on max um i think some people will see it on discovery plus streaming services are all there's a bunch of them now um i don't know where anything is i'm like what's going on so max discovery plus um you know we'll see what happens with dead files um it was an honor to to be able to step in for amy so i'm grateful to her she was on the show like i said for 15 seasons like she's awesome um so you know, there's that, but I also have been developing my own project, which, um, is something that, uh, I really, really want to bring, bring to the world, which is exploring, excuse me, um, different cultures and religions and how they view the afterlife and, um, and you know, how, what they think happens, what happens when we die. Right. And because I, I really believe that, um, how we experience the other side is dependent upon our belief system. So if you grow up in a Christian home, you are going to experience the afterlife from the Christian lens. If you grow up in an Islamic home, you are going to experience these energies from that like lens. And so you can have two people from different religions and cultures experiencing the same energies, but calling it something different. But having this, getting the same information, that's interesting to me because in that space where we can really sit and like, um, like have discussions about that, it actually shows that we're a lot, uh, we have a lot more in common than we think people from different religions, cultures, there are more similarities than differences, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately we focus on the differences for too long. A a lot of people have. Uh, So trying to like bring, bring those pieces together. Um, you know, there's a Ram Das quote. Ram Das is really amazing, but you know, he he said, uh, "We're all just here walking each other home," and I think that's really beautiful, right? We're all just here walking each other home, and if we can find ways to do that, um, despite our differences, uh, if we can find more similarities, um, I think the world would really be a much better place. It would be a healthier place. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that project is one that, uh, it's my, it's been my passion. Uh, like I said, at the beginning of the interview of our interview, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time in different countries, uh, spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia and, uh, I'm like really deeply fascinated by, by, uh, the different belief systems and experiences people have had with the afterlife. I can't wait to see that project. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Fingers amazing. crossed, right? <laughs> oh, man. I can't think of anyone that wouldn't want to make that. So people watching, if you know people, 
send them her way. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that, yeah, no, it sounds amazing because it's so true. There is a lot of, of root basis in your faith. Um, and if you didn't practice your faith and maybe you explored different faiths, so then you have like various lenses that you're kind of combining. Um, I grew up in a, in a partial Catholic household but then not catholic household so there's a lot of different things that's like me too yeah yeah yeah. spirits in the house like we grew up in houses that notoriously had spirits there and it was crazy every single house we had was like that and we don't know why we didn't seek it out but it's just what it was do you want me to tell you why i think that is do you want me to tell you why i think that is because if it's in every single house that you're in no matter where you go it's because there's a medium in the house not because every house is haunted it's because there's a medium in the house that can connect with the spirits you see what i mean Mm, yeah yeah my um my housemate um he would tell me a lot of the time that 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 i have you know certain gifts and i wouldn't I wouldn't really pay attention to it just because like we were talking about earlier about um, not being ready for that, not knowing, you know, cause there's so much going on, just knowing that, that that's not ready to be explored. And so that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, he's of a Buddhist nature. So he has a different word for it and a different yeah. word for a lot of those things. And it's funny yeah. the things that he tells me and I'm like, yes, you're right, but I'm not ready to explore that yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting when I was hearing you speak about your brother's death and how you're like, I feel him. He's everywhere. Like maybe he he he's he's one of the the ones that will help you kind of lean into that experience and, and tap into yeah. your your natural ability, you know. And again, I really think we all have it. It's just some I say everyone can play the piano. Not everybody is going to be a concert pianist, but we all have it to a degree. I 100 percent believe that. I I agree. I agree. Um, is there anything else that you want to share that we maybe didn't go over today? I don't know. I feel like this is like a pretty deep, we went over a lot of stuff. I, I, really I'm not did. sure. We really did. I love having more of a conversation with people as opposed to a set agenda. Of course, you know, we always begin with happiness and that is so multifaceted. So it's always a good conversation, but then uh, being able to explore uh, your life path and share that with other people, I think that's immense and it'll help Mm -hmm. everyone in in whatever way that they need it at that particular moment. So 2024, man. Yeah. (laughs) Here we go. Buckle up, everyone. Get your popcorn. It's going to be a show. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, thank you so much, Cindy Kaza, for being with us on Are You Happy Podcast. You guys can stream it. You can uh, find her show on all the streaming platforms and be sure to check out all of the recommendations that she gave out today. Thanks again, Cindy. And see you guys next week on Are You Happy Podcast. Thanks for having me. The Are You Happy Podcast is brought to you by Are You Happy? Check out our 4 million plus follower strong community on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Link tree and profile or visit www.happypeople.me. Want to join our team of interviewers? Support the show or become a sponsor? All this and more can be done on our site, happypeople.me. If you feel that pull to answer the question, are you happy, and then share it with the world, now is your chance. Send us a voice message on Instagram to areyouhappy underscore podcast and let us know if you're happy or not happy. Remember, everyone has a story worth sharing. This is Vanessa Vivacious, host and executive producer for Are You Happy Podcast, wishing you the best day of your lives. Be well, be kind, and be happy. See you guys next time on another wonderful episode of Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. Happy Hour.